0: Thank you for tuning in to Strange Studies of Strange Stories. The following podcast is from our original show, the H.P. Lovecraft Literary Podcast, which ran over 600 episodes from 2009 to 2022, and is exactly the kind of thing you can expect from us here, albeit with an expanded focus on all the best in horror, science fiction, and fantasy. There's a new free episode every month, or subscribe at patreon.com slash witchhousemedia to get new shows every week. Thanks again, and enjoy.
1: First off... I want to write that I never did anything wrong, not to nobody. They got no call to shut me up here, whoever they are. They got no reason to do what I'm afraid they're going to do, either. I think they're coming pretty soon, because they've been gone outside a long time. Digging, I guess, in that old well, looking for a gate, I heard. Not a regular gate, of course something else. Got a notion what they mean, and I'm scared. I'd look out the windows, but of course they're boarded up, so I can't see. But I turned on the lamp, and I found this here notebook, so I want to put it all down. And if I get a chance, maybe I can send it to somebody who can help me. Or maybe somebody will find it. Anyway, it's better to write it out as best I can instead of just sitting here and waiting. Waiting for them to come and get me. I better start by telling my name, which is Willie Osborne, and that I am 12 years old last July. I don't know where I was born. HPPodcast.com That was from
2: the beginning of Robert Block's Notebook Found in a Deserted House. Robert Block was a protege of H.P. Lovecraft, and that's why we're talking about him here on the H.P. Lovecraft Literary Podcast.
0: We are at hppodcraft.com. I'm Chad Pfeiffer. And I'm Chris Laggy. It's a very ominous beginning, clearly from a a child's point of view, since he says I'm 12 years old. I don't even know if people watch this show anymore, since people don't watch TV as much. But throughout the story, I couldn't stop thinking of the protagonist as the beaver, you know, from Leave it (laughs) to Beaver. Uh, uh, You watched that show, didn't you, growing up?
2: I watched it like crazy growing up. I feel like
0: lately I've been talking about a lot of syndicated TV, which I think demonstrates just how good at sports and playing outside I was as a kid. You and me both. (laughs) But I really loved The Beef, even though when I watched that, I was kind of, Eddie Haskell was the guy I wanted to be. I used his his shtick the first time I met a friend's mom. I was like, gee, Miss Kirk, don't you look beautiful today? And it
2: worked. (laughs) It totally works.
0: (laughs) But the beave, you know, he's very innocent and inquisitive. He had that kind of perspective on the world, and I would never want the beave to get hurt. No way. And that's partly why this is, like, such a kick-ass story, because of that innocent child protagonist. It makes it so much extra uh, scary. But before we get into any of this Robert Block geniusness, let's talk about a good writer who's putting out fantastic weird fiction right now. And I mean that. We have a great sponsor this week.
2: Absolutely. We are thrilled to be sponsored by the book with a voice that is often still confused but is becoming ever louder and clearer by J.R. Hamatashin.
0: Let me say that again. With a voice that is often confused but is becoming ever louder and clearer by J.R. Hamitashin. J.R. has been a friend of the show for a long time and we've told you about him before. He released a great collection of stories called You Shall Never Know Security that we plugged back in the day.
2: It's a great book.
0: Still a great book. Still worth picking up. What about
2: this new collection? This collection is nine short stories and novellas that bring you the same style of horror, but with all new flavors. Mm. The book opens up with the story. Man, this is a nice German mouthful here. Vernichtungsschmerz. That's pretty good. Which literally translates to Pain of Annihilation. And this story follows four teenage girls as they question a being... Who may give them the ultimate escape from the pain of death.
0: I like Jr. because he's a great writer of weird fiction, but he has a sense of humor about himself. The, the first few pages of the book, you've got the obligatory reviews of how great his first book was, including a quote from us. Oh, yeah. But the last pull quote is, if you have three pages or so of critical praise, it validates you as a human being. And the author of that quote is, I wish. (laughs) That was pretty funny. Good stuff. (laughs) There's a lot of humor throughout the story. Case in point, there's this one story that I think would really challenge and and maybe even provoke listeners of this show. Oh, right. It's a story called Cthulhu Zombies, Ninjas and Robots or a Special Snowflake in an Endless Scorching Universe. And it's about a guy experiencing a Lovecraft convention contrasting the ridiculous orgy of Cthulhu products, the cutesy onesies and the plush Cthulhus against Lovecraft's really super dark philosophies. It's got all these quotes in there from Lovecraft about how we, you know, suicide is the best refuge for the universe (laughs) and stuff like that. (laughs) And it's the kind of thing that it can make you feel a little bad about your own fandom, but also kind of brings you back to what the point of it is. Right. I just thought it was a really great piece of self-satire or satire of the community that, that I think folks will get a kick out
2: of And there is a deal going on for the month of October. The Kindle version of the book is only four ninety nine, and that's down from the normal $7. Save two bucks and a penny. Well,
0: that's pretty sweet. That's a great deal. It's a
2: great collection and I can't recommend it enough. With a voice that is often still confused, but is becoming ever louder and clearer, or as I like to call it, wave tiosk business Alec.
0: the famous acronym
2: <laughs> <laughs> find it at amazon and many other fine retailers
0: coming back to our story this week notebook found in a deserted house this was actually the first bit of mythos fiction that young ramsey campbell read
2: yes even before he read lovecraft
0: yeah speaking of the lovecraft convention we saw him all over the place he read this he had no lovecraft awareness yet this is a pretty good introduction to the whole thing i think absolutely yeah that opening was read by heather Clinky. Heather, as a voice actor, gets hired here and there to play Little Boys. So this was a good piece for her to do. And I just want to say that I have never felt weird about that. Nothing about it has ever made me feel weird. I think she does a great job. And it doesn't make me feel weird. It just doesn't. So we should should move on about
2: uh, that. Okay, so I got to say that I am pretty jazzed about Blocktober.
0: <laughs> yes, Blocktober. I
2: think this is going to be a good month if this story is any indication of the quality of the work.
0: What do we know about Mr. Block? He's, he's kind of a big deal.
2: He, Well, yeah, he is a big deal. Uh, born Robert Albert Block. Nice middle name there. He was born in 1917 in Chicago but grew up in Milwaukee, another Midwesterner. Yeah. Block wrote a lot of crime, horror, and fantasy stuff and was the youngest guy in the Lovecraft writing circle.
0: Right, he discovered weird tales when he was 10 years old in 1927 and just really fell in love with Lovecraft's work. He wrote him a fan letter in 19. 19- Thirty-three, Lovecraft got back to him and then started mentoring him a little bit. And Of course, we've talked about how the two became correspondents. Our first full reading was The Hunter of the Dark. That's right. And that main character was a characterization of Robert Block by Lovecraft. And it's obvious that it was because he was talented, but it's just so cool that Lovecraft made the effort to reach out to this kid and, yeah. and bring him along. Block's first publication of Weird Tales, by the way, was a letter criticizing Howard's Conan stories, Robert e. Howard's Conan stories. So oh, yeah. I think he shared the characteristic of successful people or authors and that he really wasn't too scared of anybody. I mean, even at that young age,
2: you might think that he is actually best known for writing uh, Psycho, of which Alfred Hitchcock made the film based on that mm-hmm. book. Uh, but actually, his true fame resulted in the scripting of an episode of Star Trek entitled Cat's Paw.
0: <laughs> sure. That's what he's known so well for. <laughs> he did a few Star Trek episodes, I he, he did,
2: yeah. But Cat's Paw, man, that is, that yeah. is a treasure. That's yeah. the one where they have a set, a miniature set built, and then they have a, a cat walking through <laughs> yeah. the miniature set in slow motion because it's supposed to be a giant cat.
0: <laughs> it's amazing. Well, you know, I was reading about Psycho, I think he made for the film a grand total yeah. of like $6,000 for it, ever. Wow. And that's still one of the more successful horror franchises of all time. So guys, if you want to get into horror fiction, that's that's the kind of future you're looking at, by all means.
2: <laughs> yeah, he was uh, well-known as an author. He won a Hugo Award, a Bram Stoker Award, World Fantasy Award, but he's no longer with us. He passed in 1994, and we've got a whole lot of block this month because it's Blocktober, obviously, so yeah. we're going to save some more bio stuff Uh, later in the month
0: yeah so let's get on to the actual story here let's talk
2: this story is the first person account of a 12 year old boy named willie osborne no relation to norman or harry okay good some people are coming to get willie as he's writing this all down in a notebook so this is his account of whatever horrific situation he's in right now
0: and it feels bad to know the title because the title gives you information the the notebook was not handed over it was found and this is actually a piece of found footage horror this story which is a staple Uh, of the genre these days. And really like Dracula and Call of Cthulhu did that and then it was a collection of letters. But those are kind of curated. This is, it's a diary, right? And the way the language is written in this colloquial style where we forego grammatical correctness in favor of a voice, it's the kind of writing I really dig. It's it's difficult to do it well.
2: Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And I think the story does it really well. Anyway, a a lot of times it's been compared to the Blair Witch Project and that it's, Uh. you know, this boy out in the woods dealing with these witchy tree things yeah i can see that i know it's a mythos story but it's different than the ones we've been covering lately it was written in the 50s i believe and it's got this more forward thinking it it could exist without the mythos
2: this story i agree willie is from out in the boonies and i'm guessing it's massachusetts
0: this is out by rootsford way which even could be his childish view of the name where he lives i couldn't find any record of that anywhere but
2: he talks about Innsmouth and kingsport so i'm guessing that we're close to that yeah yeah. Which is in, obviously, Massachusetts. His mother died during childbirth. His father left soon after, so he was raised by his grandmother. And they lived far out, so there was no school. His grandmother taught him how to read and write. She also told him stories about them ones. Yikes. Them ones are not Indians or hill people, but something else entirely. Maybe they're, like, fairies. They stay hidden. But every once in a while, they would kidnap animals or people to use them as sacrifices to their old gods.
0: (laughs) Yeah, his grandma's telling them some pretty scary stuff.
2: Them ones kept out of sunshine and hid in the woods and the swamps. Uh, The Indians stayed away from them as well. They were here before, long before the white people Mm -hmm. came to the United States. His grandma told him that they were still around and that you could see their lights and hear their drums in the spring and the fall on the distant hilltops. You know, during the equinoxes and such
0: and sometimes the indians would leave some of their young people tied to trees in the forest as a sacrifice so as to keep them contented and peaceful so again we have this idea of sacrifice that we've talked about recently right. it says the indians were smart enough to not settle close to them them ones didn't cause too much trouble but they might if they was crowded they're like the Zippahus as well <laughs> that they've got <laughs> you love
2: bringing up the zipahoo's I knew. well
0: they've got their piece of the woods uh staked out and as long as they're not crowded they won't cause you too much trouble
2: willie's aunt lucy and uncle fred lived out by where them ones did as well like the area supposedly where they existed and one time his pa heard the drummings on halloween you know before he was born mm-hmm. uh, she tells him all kinds of stories about witches and salem and creepy creepy stuff about insmith and grave robbers and arkham so this is definitely set in lovecraft country
0: yeah she says it she made it sound like the whole country was full of haunts
2: and when his grandma died he was sent to live with his aunt lucy and uncle fred
0: they lived in those hills that she'd always warned against and you know he knew he. knew he, he had those relatives up there, but he never spent much time up
2: there. But he was okay with it, and they're nice people. He arrived by train, and his Uncle Fred picked him up in a, ho- in a horse and buggy. His Uncle Fred takes him out to these dark, scary, creepy woods where they live, and it's all pretty creepy and yeah. scary, and it takes him a while to adjust to it. And strangely, this place seems to be devoid of animals and birds. The woods are just quiet yeah. all the time.
0: Which is a staple of this kind of thing But he really sells it I love this line Gave
1: me the creeps They were so dark and lonesome Seemed like nobody had ever shouted and laughed Or even smiled in them Couldn't imagine anyone saying anything there Except in whispers
2: so he lived with him for about a year before anything really strange happened, and he didn't get to play much because he was a farm kid. He had to do a lot of chores. Eventually, he got comfortable with the woods, and he would go out for walks when he had time.
0: Starts exploring.
2: Back in early October, Willie goes out for a walk, and he hears something, and he's a jittery little thing, so he darts behind a, a boulder and hides. And when he does this, it's because there's nobody ever around in the woods. Just it's his uncle and his aunt. On Thursdays, this guy, Cat Pritchett, who's the mailman, and he would come by, but it wasn't Thursday. Right. So. He just gets a little freaked out and goes and hides.
0: He hears this noise. It's uh, He says it was far away at first, kind of a dropping noise. It sounded like the blood falling in little spurts on the bottom of a bucket when Uncle Fred hung up a butchered hog. Yeah, oh, brutal. Like a dripping noise almost, which it doesn't sound like any other kind of movement you'd expect to hear in the woods. That's just eerie to begin with. What does that mean? I mean, what is yeah. making that noise?
2: Well, the noise got louder and louder, and then he heard a bunch of people walking. He didn't want to look because he was afraid that he might be seen, but also what he might see and then there was this horrible smell awful smell like something was dead and buried being uncovered again in the sun Ugh. then things got real quiet the woods are dead still again and then a sound starts up yeah,
0: first it's a sound like people running and walking all at once and getting suddenly quiet and and then it's this voice it describes it as it's a voice and it's not a voice that is, it doesn't sound like a voice but more like a buzzing or croaking deep and droning but it has to be a voice because it is saying words
2: The combination of the sound and the smell made Lil Wooly faint. And when he came to, there was nobody around. He just ran home. There was no voice, there was no thing, but he knew something was out there.
1: No human being can leave tracks in the mud like goat's hooves, all green with slime that smell awful. Not four or eight, but a couple hundred. I didn't tell Aunt Lucy or Uncle Fred, but that night when I went to bed, I had terrible dreams. I thought I was back in the Glen, only this time I could see the thing. It was real tall and all inky black, without any particular shape except a lot of black ropes with ends like hoofs on it. I mean it had a shape, but it kept changing, all bulgy and squirmy into different sizes. There was a lot of mouths all over the thing, like puckered up leaves on branches. That's as close as I can come. The mouths was like leaves, and the whole thing was like a tree in the wind. A black tree with lots of branches trailing the ground, and a whole lot of roots ending in hoofs. And that green slime dribbling out of the mouths and down the legs was like sap.
2: And here's a little something that threw me. In this story, they call this creature a shagath, mm-hmm. which is obviously from uh, At the Mountains of Madness. The Shoggoths were made by the Elder Things right. as a slave race. But this, in the role-playing game, is actually a description of the Dark Young of Shabdegoreth. Mm-hmm. Because the description of the creature the Dark Young of Shibnigurath, is that quote. Yeah. And so I read that Chaosim actually made this into a different creature just to have some variety of of mods. Ah, Okay. But its description is very different than that of the Shagoth in the Mountains of Madness.
0: Oh, right. But Shagoths can kind of become anything. Yeah. Right, I think. So yeah. it's just the way, the shape, the form it's taking on. I don't know. It's just a monster tree. <laughs> I think it it's was, a monster tree. It would still work even if the monster were never named.
2: So Willie gets this idea that uh, back in Europe, there were people that worshipped things out in the woods and made sacrifices to them called druids. Mm-hmm. Now, nobody knows who they were or what they were doing. <laughs> <laughs> he also gets to thinking that maybe some druids in the old days got out of Christian Europe because they were being persecuted, obviously, and then came to the U.S. just like good old Leif Erikson did.
0: Yeah, they got chased out of the forest in England and France, and they were smart enough to build boats and come over. I mean, he doesn't just get this idea out of nowhere. There's this book his Aunt Lucy has. Mm-hmm. And he says it's called a mythology. And that's got all this information. Thank God he doesn't list all the books his Aunt Lucy has. <laughs> he just mentions that one, which is pretty great.
2: Uh, Willie thinks that the drums and the fires are these druids out in the woods and the swamps calling up tree spirits. And, uh, you know, Halloween is getting close, so he's feeling pretty nervous.
0: Yeah, that was the big time, Grandma always said. <laughs> which is a great line. If you work hard enough as a monster, you'll make it to the big time. Halloween!
2: <laughs> that's
0: when they roll out all the serious scariness. <laughs>
2: Now, uh, Cap Pritchett shows up to deliver some mail and Uncle Fred gets super excited. It's not the phone book, but it is a letter from Cousin Osborne who's going to stay with them. And his train is supposed to arrive at noon on October 25th. Cousin Osborne is blood relation to Aunt Lucy.
0: And of course, it's I mean, when you're living all alone like that, any visit from anybody has got to be super exciting.
2: They're so excited that they do some construction. They like actually build a bed and do some stuff to get everything ready for, for Cousin Osborne to stay there. And on the 25th, Uncle Fred goes into town and Lucy and Willie stay home, do some chores. One thing... Thing about the house is that it has two wells. There's a new well that's nice. close to the house that they use and then there's the old well, which isn't used anymore because it is full of this slimy, stinky water that's kind of got this green, oozy yeah. stuff in it. They don't know why it's different than the other well. Willie stays home with Aunt Lucy and they keep busy, but a storm rolls in. Storms are common enough in the area so they don't really worry about it. However, five o'clock rolls around and Fred and Osborne aren't back yet. Six o'clock, still nothing. Now Lucy's getting worried. She thinks maybe Maybe the buggy has problems or something. So maybe they're staying in the depot that night. But as the night wears on, she gets more and more worried.
0: A horrible feeling. The
2: storm dies down and Lucy decides to go out on the road with Willie with a lantern to kind of light the way. Not sure if it would make much difference, but... It's good to do something. Be proactive. Mm-hmm. When they get out there, it's very creepy. Says, um, everything was still like in the deep part of the woods. I felt kind of scared just walking down the path with Aunt Lucy, like something was out there in the quiet, dark someplace waiting to grab me. Ugh. It's completely dark because the moon is, it's all cloud covered and there's you know, there's no city lights. There's no ambient light. It's, right. But then they hear some noise. She says, I, it's a horse and buggy. And the horse and buggy is going really fast and it charges past Willie and Lucy and they run after it. And it Go straight into the barn. It's their horse. It's their buggy. The horse is freaking out. They get inside. The buggy is empty. Oh, no. And when Lucy sees this, she faints. Right. Willie scoops her up, takes her back to the house. I mean, he's a strong 12-year-old, an adult <laughs> woman. I mean, I've seen some 12-year-olds that could probably kick my ass. So. Yeah,
0: sure. Most of them.
2: All of them. Willie gets uh, so gets her to bed, and he stays up most of the night looking out the window. But they don't come back, yeah. and the next few days are bad. The horse died the following day because yeah. it was so freaked out by whatever happened. Lucy won't go into town or let Willie go into town. She's just freaking scared. Willie thinks that them ones stole Fred and cousin Osborne to sacrifice them. He knows from the mythology books that druids were known to make storms.
0: Right, so it's possible that they created that whole cover for what they did. Right. And and since that horse is dead in the barn, they're also stranded right now because they're so far out there in the woods, they don't want to have to walk all the way back into town. Yeah. They decide okay, we're going to wait till Cat Pritchett comes by on Thursday. And then we'll we'll go in with him and we can report the missing persons.
2: Right. And, and then Thursday is Halloween.
0: <laughs> Which happens to be Halloween. Yeah.
2: And Lucy's a kind of a basket case and it's up to Willie to become the responsible person. She's just saying things like they're gone, whispering to herself. Fred always warned me. No use. No use. Oh, man. Willie is having dreams about this black thing, like a tree walking around in the woods, then rooting itself and then using its mouths to pray to the god in the ground.
0: Using its mouths to pray. It's, it's such a vile image and a yeah. weird mix of words and, and notions. That really got to me.
2: He says, um, maybe it's all in my head, but the druid story about them ones and the voice that said Shagath and all the rest. Right.
0: So he heard a voice say Shagath to label these things.
2: So the plan is to wait for, like you said, wait for Cat Pritchard to show mm-hmm. up and then leave with him. The night before that, Willie had Lucy pack up everything so they're ready to go in the morning and then he goes to bed. Well, he has this dream that some people broke into the house, took Lucy, Mm -hmm. and he says it was all quiet and dark because they had cat eyes and didn't need to see in the light, which is just really creepy to me. The dream was so scary to him, it woke him up, but when he woke up, it was morning. It was like one of those deals. And so he went to go check on Lucy, and She's gone. The windows are wide open, just like in his dreams, but there's no footprints outside because the ground's really hard. And then at that point, he just cried.
0: That's so terrible. He's all alone out in the woods and there's nobody to help him out. He's
2: 12. I would cry too. I mean, not as a 12 year old, as an adult, I'd be bawling my eyes out.
0: Yeah. He goes out and he, he tries to holler for his Aunt Lucy, but nothing. All yeah. the cows are gone as well. There are some footprints going out into the woods, but he doesn't think it's safe to follow. And the other well's messed up now, too.
2: It's got green slime in it, so that makes him cry some more because it's just, man, everything is messed up. It's not going to work out. Yeah, He really thinks it's them ones that are going to sacrifice Lucy and Uncle Fred and maybe Cousin Osborne if he ever made it because right. he, he doesn't even know what happened?
0: Halloween is imminent, but he's not going to wait around anymore for Cat Pritchett showing up in the afternoon. He's like, if they're looking and they're watching and they're waiting, I got to get out of here. I got to take my chances and just walk because yeah. I don't want to hang out here and have him come grab
2: me. So before he goes, he finds Cousin Osborne's letter from Kingsport and gets the address because that's where he's going to go. Since he doesn't have anybody to take care of, he's a 12-year-old kid. So by noon, he finally takes off down the road and he sees somebody walking. And it's a guy who kind of looks like his Uncle Fred, but younger and with no beard. And he's wearing a city suit. He comes up to Willie and says, hey, I'm Cousin Osborne. How you doing, buddy? I ain't seen you since you were a baby. Willie says to him, he goes, we were expecting you six days ago. And then he goes, oh, didn't you get my telegram? I had some business I had to take care of. And then Willie's like, well, we don't get the telegrams. We get them once a week from the mail guy. So it might still be at the station. And he goes, well, why don't we go back to the house and get some sandwiches and I'll tell you what's going on. So he explains, when Cousin Osborne got there. He said that... He waited for a while, and since Fred didn't show up, that he just started walking. Yeah. Willie notices he doesn't have any bags, and he says, well, where's your bags? He goes, well, i left him at the station. I figured we would just pick him up later.
0: I, I gotta admit, it was, this tricked me up first. I was relieved that an adult had shown up because I was so terrified for this kid. But yeah. you get the sense immediately that Willie is suspicious of this
2: guy. Right.
0: And he's looking for details because something seems wrong about this to him.
2: So Willie goes back to the house with Osborne. Uh, he tells him what happened, leaving out the cult stuff.
0: These guys are missing.
2: So Willie says, we got to go into town, to tell people what's going on. Willie says that whoever came for them can be coming for us. Right. And Osborne says, you're letting your imagination run away with you. All those things in the woods coming after you, it's all in your head.
0: Now, of course, Willie didn't say anything about the stuff in the woods. No he didn't but his cousin goes on to say oh i've heard these stories back home in arkham they're
2: silly then Willie goes um you live in kingsport and then osborne's like oh yeah but i used to live in arkham
0: right and he switches the subject real quick tries flattering he says uh, as it is i admire your bravery for a 12 year old you've acted very sensibly I love the way he, he just plays off the Arkham thing and then he switches tactics. Yeah. It's so sinister.
2: But Osborne wants to stay and look around for Lucy.
0: Yeah, let's not go right now. We got to look around because your aunt might be just around here hurt somewhere.
2: Willie pleads with him to like, no, we got to go stick around. is a bad idea. But Osborne is really nice and polite, but still not budging on this going.
0: At this point, Osborne is being, you're not going anywhere. I mean, he's following Willie everywhere. He's keeping him in sight. Mm-hmm. Is it a, one of the druids impersonating the cousin? Or is it a shogoth who's created an imitation of the cousin?
2: Dude, I don't know.
0: Because he has a resemblance to the family, which would lead me to believe that it's a shogoth.
2: But it's a resemblance to his uncle and not... And not to his aunt his aunt, who's the blood relation.
0: So it's like an incorrect approximation. Some of the details are wrong. So I think it's a shotgun. That's so creepy, man. As
2: Willie and Osborne were out walking around looking for Lucy and Fred, Osborne stops and he listens to the leaves, almost like they're talking to him. But then they hear someone coming down the road and it's Cap and he's on his horse and buggy. He explains to Osborne, that's the mailman. and He's coming. Let's get a ride from him. He'll take us into town. And he goes, no, no, let me talk to him. You go in the house. This is adult talk. And Willie, being a kid, just does as he's told. Sucks. He goes in the house, but watches out the window and he sees Osborne talking to Cap. They finish the conversation. Cap starts to drive away and he waves oh, no. to Osborne. No. And Willie freaks out and he just runs outside and he just screams. He goes, Wait for me, Cap. I'm coming. Take me to town.
0: And Cap got bad information. He's like, I thought you went with Fren and Lucy into town. What are you doing here? So he's been lied
2: to. Willie just says, Don't listen to him. Take me, Cap. Please, take me. Then Osborne says, Okay, okay. If you're insisting on it, we'll all go together. You know, But this kid's a he's a little off his nut. He's living out here all by himself. And so he starts to crawl up in the buggy with them. Cap freaking pulls a gun on him. Yeah. And he says, uh, yeah, you're not coming with us. And this stops Osborne in his tracks. Get down, mister. You're talking the United States mail and you don't tell the government nothing, understand? Yeah. Get down before I mess your brains all over the road.
0: Awesome. Awesome.
2: <laughs> I love Cap. There's something really cool about him, and especially he is siding against an adult with a kid. Right. And there's something about that. Especially, I remember being a kid, there was that movie... Do you remember Silver Bullet with Gary Busey and Corey Haines? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Now, I haven't seen it in years. But I remember that being awesome as a kid because I was about Corey Haim's age. So when that movie came out, it was approximately that same age. The kid's going, there's a werewolf. Nobody believed him, but his uncle did. And that was Gary Busey. Yeah, it's so rare. Love that guy so much that somebody believing a kid or having faith in a kid and taking his word over an adult, especially one that you know is a bad adult. It's, it's really good. It's a great device in storytelling.
0: In horror stories, the kids often, oh, or sci-fi, the kids are always the ones that know what's actually going on. And the adults are always like, things are going to work out fine. Don't worry about it. That's just the way it usually plays. So it's nice to see an inversion of that. And this guy, Cap, he's like, I know this kid. I mean, you lied to me about him, so I know something bad's going on. I'm taking him
2: away. They take off. Osborne stays back there. And then Cap says, stop trembling, Willie. You're safe now. Nothing to worry about. We're going to be in town a little over an hour. So just relax. Sit back and tell old Cap... About what happened. This kid is so scared, and that he's got nobody to rely on. This guy Cap showed up. I mean, maybe it's because I'm a parent now. Sure. But this stuff gets to me so badly because I guess I just think about my kids being in the situation, and yeah. I'm not there to help them. And it's just oh.
0: This ride, you know, he's telling Cap about what what's happened. But sky's getting dark. The sun is setting. It's happening early.
2: Some clouds are coming in, and they hear um, a clap of a thunder, or right. at least what they think is thunder. Cap says, "Oh man, the storm's really coming in. Thunder at all?" And Willie says, "That's not thunder. Those are drums." It's them. One's getting ready for the sabbath cap looks at him confused and he's like what do you know about the sabbath yeah and at that point willie he tells him everything like all the weird supernatural stuff the truth but as this happens a storm breaks out and it gets louder and louder the rain is getting loud the wind the thunder
1: it was pitch black outside now and the only time we could see was when lightning flashed i had to yell to make him hear me yell about the things that caught uncle frank and come Aunt lucy the things that took our cattle and then sent Cousin Osborne back to fetch me. I hollered out about what I heard in the wood, too. In the lightning flashes, I could see Cap's face. He wasn't smiling or scowling. He just looked like he believed me. And I noticed he had his pistol out again and was holding the reins with one hand, even though we were racing along. The horse was so scared he didn't need the whip to keep him running.
2: This is some tense stuff. So it's completely pitch black, and the only time they can ever see anything is when the lightning flashes.
0: And you know, I think Cap's been riding around these woods for so long. Oh, he knows. knows he all, you know, he's like, problem with these woods is all the damn shoggoths. Right? <laughs> he's well aware of what's up. Uh-oh.
2: He's yelling at Cap about, like, what's a shogoth? Because he knows he, that he knows. And right as he sees that, he, the lightning flashes, and he sees Cap looking at the road in horror. And the next flash of lightning, he sees that the trees are in the road. But it's not just the trees kind of moving into the road. It's this black ropey thing that he see, saw before. Cap yells,
0: Shogoth! And then things go crazy at the horse buck's. Cap goes over the dashboard headfirst and down into the squirming mess that was the horse, so they both took, it's bad. Cap is screaming and screaming. Willie just gets up and he runs away as fast as he can. And over the thunder and rain, he can still hear Cap screaming his head off at whatever.
2: At this point, Willie's off the road because it's just a muddy quagmire at this point, but he keeps running. He sees these fires, and so he kind of starts going that way because it's the only thing that he can see, Mm. and it's these fires burning in the hills, and they're burning red and green. And he also sees this big white stone altar, and there's a bunch of men with long gray beards and wrinkly faces uh, throwing stuff into the fires and making it stinky smoke. Oh, no. These two guys show up driving cattle, and one of the men takes a cow towards the altar, and then just the bearded guy slits its throat. The black smoke is now starting to blow block his view, and there's more chanting going on. It's full-on occult ritual stuff here.
0: <laughs> right. Because after the cattle, then they bring up new sacrifices, and they're two-legged ones. Right. It's hard to see through the smoke who it is, but Willie's got a pretty good
2: idea. He hides his face when they kill them, and they kill these people. And then something comes out of the woods, something big, and it's this blacky ropey thing on hooves with mouths and snaky arms and the black thing devours the sacrifices and starts to swell and grow
0: yeah and the kid says that finished me i didn't care anymore i was out of there and he just runs and he runs and he's screaming his head off and then he gets back to the farmhouse he makes a full circle he's back where he started
2: he gets in and locks the doors he's exhausted but he, he decides you know i gotta fortify this place so there's all this wood from all the construction they were doing so he boards up the windows and the doors and nothing's getting in. He falls asleep. Now, Willie wakes up next morning. It's late morning. He slept for a while, but nobody came. And he thinks, well, since nobody came, maybe I can try and make it into town. And now Halloween's over, so maybe I'll be okay. Right. But right as he gets ready to leave, he hears people coming, and he hides. And it's Osborne with some other folks. Osborne calls out for him, but he, of course he doesn't answer and then they try the doors.
0: Well, he's got to board it boarded up, so they can't get in. They can't
2: get in. I mean, he tries. He's slamming them, and he's kicking them, and he's cussing up a storm.
0: Right, that's the thing. It says, I don't know if he's with other folks, like people, because it just says, I could hear him pounding and cussing. That was bad. But then he began mumbling, and that was worse, because it meant he wasn't out there alone, which yeah. is such a creepy way to put it. I don't know if he's with people at all, because then he hears some uh, some weird sounds.
2: Yeah, some strange croaking sounds when the these people or whatever they are are making and he doesn't look because he doesn't look or want to be seen but yeah. he says uh, uh he hears osborne say wait until dark we can use the well to find the gate look for the gate he thinks the well must be some sort of entrance to an underground place that's where those druid men live Ugh. and and the black thing and willie knows that they're going to get him they're going to feed him to the shoggoth right he hopes that maybe his real cousin will show up to help him or someone will miss cat pritchett and then they'll send somebody out but if they don't come soon it's going to be too late
0: and he's pretty sure it is too late which is why he's getting all this together in the journal you know he's saying block up the well clean out those swamps
2: go out in the woods find that altar those people are out there they're doing these things and it's just you just gotta look
1: all i say is look look and you'll see what's hiding under the earth in these hills waiting to creep out and feast and kill some more. Wait. They're coming now. Getting twilight and I can hear footsteps and other sounds. Voices and other sounds. They're banging on the door and sure enough they must have a tree or plank to use for battering it down. The whole place is shaking. I can hear Cousin Osborne yelling and that droning. The smell is awful, I'm getting sick, and in a minute, look at the altar, then you'll understand what I'm trying to tell. Look at the big round marks, two feet wide on each side, that's where the big black thing grabbed hold. Look for the marks and you'll know what I saw, what I'm afraid of was waiting to grab you unless you shut it up forever under the earth. Black marks two feet wide, but they aren't just marks. What they really are is fingerprints. The door is busting up.
2: That's the end of the story. It's the end of the story. It's pretty rough because he yeah. didn't, he, doesn't make, he doesn't make it, obviously. But this is a great story. Really scary.
0: Yeah, absolutely. First published in the 1951 issue of Weird Tales.
2: I want to thank Heather Clinky for doing a great job as a, as a young boy.
0: Mm-hmm. Not weird. Not
2: not weird for Chad at all.
0: (laughs) I want to thank our sponsor, of course, With a Voice That Is Often Still Confused but Is Becoming Ever Louder and Clearer by J.R. Hamantashen. Fantastic collection of nine short stories and novellas that cover weird fiction and other strange occurrences. I definitely recommend picking it up, checking it out. You can link out from our show notes.
2: get it in print or on the Kindle. And again, it is on sale for the month of October and... Maybe the month of November as well, but better get it while you can.
0: And what are we doing next week?
2: We are doing another rubber block story because it is Blocktober, and it is called The Faceless God. Mm, that sounds great. Which I've read, and it is pretty dark.
0: Awesome. I'm looking forward to that. Well, that's all we've got for this week. I am Chad Pfeiffer.
2: I'm Chris Lackey, and you've been listening to the HP Lovecraft Literary Podcast. At HPPodcraft.com.
1: HPPodcraft.com. Ah!